Welcome to Bird's Eye View, the podcast that celebrates and discusses books, stories, writing and writers. I'm your host, Math Bird, writer and Welsh Borderlands dweller. In each episode, I'll explore some of my books and stories, the books and stories I love to read, and the writers who write them, sharing my take on their themes, narratives, beginnings, endings, and everything else in between. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bird's Eye View of Books podcast. Today, we're threading through the mist-shrouded paths of M.R. James's spectral tales to discover what makes his ghost stories a cornerstone of the genre. We'll also explore how contemporary writers have conjured his techniques to send shivers down the spine of modern readers. So, light a candle. Draw the curtains and prepare to delve into the shadowy corners of the Jamesian ghost story. I imagine most of you listening are aware of M.R. James and his stories. But for those of you who don't, here's a quick summary. M.R. James has gained wide recognition as a significant British author in the realm of supernatural fiction. Born Montague Rhodes James in Kent in 1862, he relocated with his family to Great Livermere, near Bury St. Edmunds, at the age of three. His early fascination with church architecture and the Suffolk landscape profoundly influenced his later writing. James excelled at Eton, having earned a scholarship there and showed a particular aptitude in classics, divinity and French. He held the position of provost at King's College, Cambridge for 13 years before assuming the same role at Eton for 18 more years until his passing. James's ghost stories, known for their eerie qualities, were primarily written to be read aloud. He initially shared these tales with his adult friends at King's College during annual Christmas gatherings. Through this practice, James deliberately positioned himself within the tradition of festive ghost storytelling and the art of oral narration. Like most writing, James's work is not without criticism and in some instances is a reflection of and hindered by the attitudes of its time. Some might argue that there is an idiosyncratic balance of elements in his stories that his dialogue and situations are too contrived and his characters one-dimensional. Perhaps for some, James's writing lacks the sophistication of writers such as Walter de la Mer or Robert Aikman. But when it comes to capturing the supernatural moments, there are few equal to him. And it's these moments we are to explore by discussing what story elements make this medieval scholar an antiquarian, the masterful architect of nightmares. Undoubtedly, his academic background helps to anchor his tales in a bedrock of authenticity, making the supernatural element so much more unsettling. James's tales often begin in the mundane world of antiquarian research, a world of musty books and old manuscripts, which slowly unspools into the uncanny. The excellent short story anthology, Meddling with Ghosts, selected and introduced by Ramsey Campbell, 
presents 16 ghost stories written in the tradition of M.R. James. The anthology is divided into three sections, James's precursors, James's contemporaries and James's successors, with the latter section featuring more recent writers influenced by and practitioners of the Jamesian ghost story. But what makes a ghost story Jamesian? Is it the setting, the academic protagonist, the restrained horror? Or is it something more intangible, the ability to make the reader glance over their shoulder to second-guess the shadows in their room? The answer may lie in the resonance of the tales. James's stories linger because they tap into primal fears, the fear of the unknown, the unseen, the otherworldly entities that lurk just beyond our perception. In capturing these fears, James sets a template that writers have followed for over a century. The first key element of a Jamesian story is setting. James was adept at transforming the ordinary into the ominous. He chose settings familiar to his audience. Seaside pubs and coastal towns, villages, libraries and universities. These were places of comfort and respectability, which he then infused with an undercurrent of dread. His story, The Mesotint, for example, features a changing engraving that becomes the conduit for a haunting, merging the everyday with the eerie. Which brings us on to the supernatural element. James believed ghosts should be malevolent. There are no friendly apparitions in his world. His spectres often have ties to some wrongdoing or unholy act, and they appear with a terrifying vagueness. James mastered the art of less is more. His descriptions are spare, leaving much to the imagination. Take a whistle and I'll come to you, my lad where the horror lies in the unsettling details of a figure seen in a dream, which then manifests into the waking world. The protagonist is another cornerstone. James's leads are often unassuming scholars, whose intellectual curiosity pries open doors better left closed. They are relatable figures, not heroes and their learned detachment makes their encounters with the supernatural all the more jarring. For example, in Canon Alberic's scrapbook, it is the protagonist's interest in an old book that leads him to an encounter with a vengeful spirit. Suspense and gradual revelation are also at the heart of a Jameson story. James excelled at pacing. He knew just when to drop hints and when to pull back, creating a crescendo of tension that often culminates in a moment of horrifying revelation. The reader is drawn in, step by step, until the terror is upon them before they realise it, with his story a warning to the curious being a prime example, with its slow build-up to a frantic, frightening climax. Finally, James's use of language itself creates an atmosphere thick with foreboding. His quiet prose is accessible and decorated with an occasional archaism that lends a timeless quality to his tales. 
the narrative voice often seems to be confiding in the reader, creating an intimate bond that makes the scares all the more personal. I mentioned previously the Meddling with Ghosts anthology, edited and introduced by the eminent horror fiction writer Ramsey Campbell. Campbell often speaks about M.R. James's influence on his work, and a fine example of this can be seen in his short story and homage to the Jamesian tale, The Guide. The Guide centres around a retired widower referred to as Q, whom, whilst holidaying along the Norfolk coast with his daughter, son-in-law and two grandchildren, explores the local bookshops in search of anything by M.R. James and comes across a guide to Norfolk and Suffolk, written by none other than the eminent ghost story master himself. To add to Q's delight, the book also includes handwritten annotations, which Q believes to be from the pen of M.R. James. Fatigued by the holiday, Q seeks some much-needed solitude and respite and the suggestion that his daughter and son-in-law take the children to the funfair in the seaside town of Hunstanton provides him with the perfect opportunity. He asks them to drop him off on the way, which they do so, outside a desolate country pub. Agreeing to be picked up at 5pm, Q plans to spend the day walking among the Norfolk countryside and visiting one of the old churches listed in the guidebook. However, before he begins his trek, he seeks refreshment in the pub, and after chatting to the landlord, learns that years ago, M.R. James visited these premises and signed the guest book. Q is intrigued and asks if he can see it, hoping to match the handwritten annotations with the signature in the guest book. Sadly, he fails to find a match. However, the signature below M.R. James's which reads as A Fellows, is identical to the handwritten annotations in Q's recently acquired guidebook. What follows is a haunting homage to classic M.R. James. The setting of the old church, remote and seemingly abandoned within the desolate landscape. A gradual suspense and revelation as Q's curiosity gets the better of him and the supernatural element contains all the Jamesian eeriness in the vagueness of a dark figure whom Q initially mistakes as the local priest, whose strange words and shadowed face warn of the story's dark and malicious ending. Campbell's story is a deliberate and skillful patiche, and provides a nice segue into how James's stories and the elements that make them so successful have filtered down to modern writers, such as how James's classic tale, O Whistle and I'll Come to You My Lad, referred to from now on as O Whistle, has influenced Susan Hill's The Woman in Black. In O Whistle, James sets his tale in a remote seaside town, utilising the desolate landscape to heighten the sense of isolation and vulnerability. Likewise, Hills, the woman in black, is set in a secluded manor, Eel Marsh House, surrounded by treacherous marshes and cut off from the mainland at high tide. 
This setting creates a claustrophobic and foreboding atmosphere, akin to James's use of landscape to amplify fear. James's ghostly figures are often ambiguous and partially glimpsed, leaving much to the imagination. In a whistle, the ghost is a nebulous figure, more sensed than seen, its presence felt rather than explicitly described. Hill adopts a similar approach in The Woman in Black. The titular ghost is a mysterious figure, shrouded in sorrow and vengeance. While her appearances are more direct than in James's work, they still retain a quality of mystery and incompleteness that makes them deeply unsettling. Both James and Hill use first-person narration to immerse the reader in the story. James's protagonist in a whistle is an academic, rational and sceptical, a common archetype in James's stories. This perspective allows for a gradual build-up of fear as inexplicable events erode the protagonist's scepticism. Hill's protagonist in The Woman in Black, Arthur Kipps, shares these characteristics. His initial, rational approach to the strange occurrences at Ilmarsh House slowly turns to terror, mirroring the narrative technique used by James. James was adept at using subtle foreshadowing to create a sense of impending doom. In a whistle, small, seemingly insignificant details early in the story gain horrifying relevance later. Hill employs a similar technique. For instance, the repeated sightings of the woman in black serve as ominous harbingers of the tragedy that unfolds. The climax of a ghost story is crucial, and both authors handle it masterfully. James often leaves his ending somewhat ambiguous, allowing the horror to linger in the reader's mind. Hill's ending in The Woman in Black, while more conclusive, still leaves a haunting question about the nature and the power of the ghost. If you're not as yet familiar with A Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad, then I highly recommend it. It's available in most M.R. James anthologies. Also, there's Jonathan Miller's renowned 1968 BBC film version, Whistle and I'll Come to You, starring the excellent Michael Horden. Likewise, I recommend reading The Woman in Black too. Or, if you're feeling brave, turn the lights off and watch Herbert Wise's and Nigel Neal's 1989 haunting TV film version, starring Adrian Rawlings. Bernard Hepton and Pauline Moran. Another heir to the Jamesian tale is Neil Gaiman, whose short story Click Clack the Rattlebag echoes James's technique of the gradual revelation and the use of suggestion to fuel the imagination, as used in James's story A Warning to the Curious. A Warning to the Curious is a classic ghost story that revolves around the tale of an amateur archaeologist who, despite warnings, unearths an ancient crown believed to protect England from invasion. The story unfolds primarily through conversations, as the narrator recounts his encounters with the haunted and harried archaeologist Paxton. James masterfully uses dialogue to reveal the chilling events and Paxton's growing terror engaging the reader directly 
in the evolving mystery. Likewise, Neil Gaiman's click-clack the rattleback unfolds through a conversational exchange. The story is simple, yet highly effective, and is revealed through the conversation of an adult writer and a child. A young boy eagerly requests a bedtime story from his elder sister's boyfriend. Having finished his homework and with bedtime approaching, the boy is in the mood for a tale. He specifically asks for one that isn't too frightening, conscious of the sprawling house's tendency for darkness due to the frequent lighting issues. Desiring a story that is just mildly scary, the boy expresses his reluctance to ponder over monsters throughout the night. He believes the adult is adept at crafting spooky stories and inquires about tales of Click Clack the Rattlebag, a well-known story to the boy. As the story progresses, the conversation between the two characters gradually reveals the eerie nature of the Click Clack the Rattlebag monsters. Gaiman's use of dialogue mirrors James's technique, drawing the reader into a seemingly innocent conversation that slowly unveils a darker narrative. In a warning to the curious, James expertly uses gradual revelation to build suspense. The story slowly unravels the dire consequences of Paxton's actions, revealing the ghostly protector of the crown and its relentless pursuit. This slow burn of revelation keeps readers engaged, teasing out details and intensifying the sense of dread. Gaiman follows a similar pattern in Click Clack the Rattleback. Curious, the adult asks about the appearance of these click clacks, fearing they might resemble spiders, which he dreads. Yet, the true nature of the click clack monsters is not immediately apparent. Instead, it is gradually disclosed through the boys' descriptions and the increasingly tense atmosphere as they move through the dark house. Like James, Gaiman uses his technique to heighten suspense and lead to an unexpected climax. James's stories often excel in what is left unsaid. And, in a warning to the curious, much of the horror stems from subtle suggestions and implications rather than explicit descriptions. The ghostly figure is never fully described, leaving much to the reader's imagination which can often conjure far more terrifying images than any explicit description. Gaiman too employs the power of suggestion. In Click Clack the Rattlebag, the description of the monsters is deliberately vague, relying on the child's imaginative and unsettling account. The boy, however, explains that they take the form of the unexpected and the unobserved. This lack of clear depiction plays on the reader's mind, allowing them to fill in the gaps with their fears. As they ascend the stairs with the boy moving confidently in the limited light, he asks the writer for a story. The adult, unprepared, suggests narrating the events of that very night. He shares that his girlfriend has recently inherited this house, where they plan to spend their first night together awaiting her return with housemates, wine and food. Upon reaching the attic door, the boy opens it to complete darkness. The opening of the door stirs the air, and they hear a click-clack, click-clack sound. 
and the adult, hesitant, is drawn into the dark by the boy's unwavering grip. Click Clack the Rattleberg is a short yet highly effective story, and if you've not yet come across it, then I recommend you read it. Also, if you Google the title, you'll come across a short video of Neil Gaiman telling the story at the New York Public Library in 2014, which is free to watch on YouTube. Equally enthralling is A Warning to the Curious, available in most M.R. James anthologies, and also Lawrence Gordon Clark's excellent 1972 TV film version, starring Peter Vaughan and Clive Swift. Also worth a listen are two exceptional audiobook versions, one read by Derek Jacobi and the other by David Suchet. As this chapter now draws to a close, let's take a moment to consider the lasting impact of M.R. James on the ghost story genre. His techniques, subtlety, pacing, setting and character continue to inform the way we craft and consume tales of the supernatural. His shadows loom large, not because they are overt, but because they whisper to us from the periphery from the corner of our eye in the dimming light of a winter's evening. So, that's it for this episode. I truly hope you enjoyed it, and thanks for joining me in this spectral journey to the James in elements of ghost storytelling. Next time, I'll be reading Optimum Tui in Star Est, a folk horror tale for Christmas. So, Until then, keep listening for the whispers in the dark and sweet dreams. Or perhaps, given what we've just unearthed, I should wish you watchful nights. Bird's Eye View of Books was written and presented by me, Math Bird, and is a McSnowell Books production.